Hello, how are you? I am Katerina, but my friends call me Kat. You can call me Kat too. It's nice to be with you. Usually, before we set off, you and I would do a bit of a warm-up exercise. A stretch or two, a few start jumps for a minute, just to feel the wind against your skin. Just a little practice, leaving the ground, pushing upwards, returning, landing. A little something to get the blood pumping, to quicken the breath. To shift how you feel your body for these next minutes ahead. To nudge a new attention. Hello, I'm Alistair. I'm here too. A couple of things before we set off. First, I'd give you a passport with a visa. Full permission granted for your journey. And then I'd take your hand. Can you feel it? A gentle hold to guide you? It has to be like this. We can't get any closer. So let's start walking. It was the hot summer of 1999. Every summer in Sofia is hot, but this one, this one was hotter than usual. I remember I weighed about 55 kilos and my black hair was relatively long. In the car, with me, were my mum in the front seat, my dad, who drove the car, and my little brother, who was then seven, and sitting close to me, was holding my hand. The hot air and the gentle breeze were filling the car, my head slightly leaning towards the window, watching the city and saying goodbye. The city where I was raised, the city where I had my first kiss, the city that was my home. In the boot of the car were two bags, a big bag full of clothes and a small bag with a few books and my English dictionaries. In the car, on the journey to the airport, we were all silent. No one said a word. No one had a word to say. At the airport, my dad stopped the car right outside the departures gate at the old terminal of Sofia Airport. When my mother first arrived in Britain, her plane stopped in Karachi, Cairo, Basra and Tripoli. Was that a trip? A journey? A voyage? It's hard to imagine a future where people willingly take the slow plane to New York, Sydney or Dubrovnik. Cruise ships had cornered the romance of travel. Aeroplanes are just for getting you from one place to the next. My legs were slightly shaky, excited by my big journey ahead. With me, I had the most essential things, the things which were now 
my home. In my big bag, my icon, a 13th century icon of the Virgin Mary and Jesus, a box of art materials, brushes and two boxes of cochineal pencils, a few paints, five or six of the most necessary colours, four winter jumpers, two my grandma made, one that my mum had made me many years ago and I could still fit in it, and one I had bought, which was actually a bit fashionable. Three pairs of trousers, a few skirts and a dress for going out. Lots of t-shirts. Knickers and socks. The knickers, precisely ten brand new pairs still in their packaging, mostly with images of the Tasmanian devil on them. None of the knickers were on the sexy side. All of them were on the practical side. And the socks, seven brand new pairs, quite thick, with images of the Flintstones and a framed family photo. There is a standard house that children draw, a square with windows, door and a triangular roof on top. It's a strangely enduring sense of what a house should be. In 1850, a great storm wrecked ships off the coasts of Britain. Roofs were lifted, windows smashed, and something extraordinary was revealed. In the far north, in Orkney, the storm ripped the earth from a mound on the beach, revealing nine easily recognisable houses, with beds and cupboards and cisterns, all built from stone more than four and a half thousand years ago, before the Romans or the Greeks, before the pyramids, before Stonehenge. How that house becomes a home, though? Is it filling it with your possessions? Decorating it? The people you've shared it with? In the foyer of the airport... The Balkan Airlines check-in points were open and a big queue had formed. I joined the queue, my brother still holding my hand and my mum pushing the luggage trolley for me. Big mosaic maps of Europe and the world dominate the space in the foyer. The thought of all those new places filled my heart with excitement. In that moment I had no time to be sad, no space to be homesick. Neither did I realise the things I would miss. After waving goodbye to my dad, holding my mum whose tears formed a puddle on the floor and my little brother waving optimistically at me, I turned around and before me I saw passport control and my knees trembled. The lines on a map trace the histories of a place. Farms and homes become villages and towns. Cities spring up along rivers. Reservoirs are dug, harbours reach out into the sea, and more ancient histories too. 
The contours of the map reveal the paths of glaciers and the fault lines of the tectonic plates, just as lines of rock map the passage of continents. Before me, I saw passport control, and my knees trembled. The first test of my identity, the first test of my legality. The passport control inspector looked suspiciously at my student visa, asked where I would be staying, and eventually he said, You can go through now. And so I did. Then there was a hole full of people, and they all looked like they knew where they were going. As for me, I was a hopeful, full of dreams. Sofia Letiste Sofia Vrajdebna Part of what makes learning languages harder as an adult is that we don't listen. We don't hear the differences and play with them, hearing where we can move our tongue and our teeth, how much breath changes the sound. English is particularly hard to learn, since its spelling so poorly indicates its pronunciation. A Roman alphabet approximating the sounds of those Anglo-Saxon words, the Celtic heritage, the myriad words borrowed from the hordes of peoples who have combined to make this nation today. In the distance was my plane, and soon I boarded it. Sat inside, my heart was going so fast. I remember I was just so excited by all that was to come. Gently the plane pushed off, and to my right was the airport, and it was as if I could see through the windows of the building, standing there, waving, my family. My eyes filled with water and little drops started to run down my face. I could still feel my brother's hand holding mine and it was in that moment as the plane was taking off I knew that I was leaving behind all that made my home. There are clearly several different kinds of travel. Repeated journeys become almost invisible to us, routine, numbed. Infrequent opportunities for holidays or to visit friends further afield have an exciting edge. We feel ourselves leaving behind the cloak of everyday life, watching the world outside, facing up to the encounter. And there are exceptional journeys. A honeymoon a funeral, moving house, stepping into a new life. These keep us awake to every signal, interpreting the omens, taking in new landscapes and people and habits, discovering. During the flight, I could not read the complimentary papers. All I could do was think. I thought about this and that, but mostly I daydreamed of the new land.
I had an airplane meal, only the second one in my life, and I thought that was so exciting. People around me were ordering wine, but wine at lunchtime was not something my dad would approve. So I went for orange juice after orange juice. Two and a half hours into the flight, the stewardess handed me a landing card. I pulled out my passport and the man next to me looked at it disapprovingly. I filled in the card and then I knew I only had 10-15 minutes before landing. The sentimental view of family as those to whom you're bonded by blood, nurturing and supporting, that's not exactly how sociologists have seen it. Althusser suggested family was a fundamental ideological state apparatus, tied to schools and more anciently to the church, to instill particular forms of thought and behaviour. For Bourdieu, family was a vehicle by which we can acquire cultural capital, attitudes and definitions that our elders offer us, which embody divisions. It's from family that we learn our identity. We learn what isn't like us, what we shouldn't like, what we should oppose, all that is foreign. Circling above London, going in and out of the clouds was magical, in that monochrome way in which one's imagination colours the grey. Walking from the plane to passport control, through the long corridors of Heathrow Airport, I joined the non-EU queue. The queue was long. My hands sweated a bit. Nervousness about passport control kicked in. Desks designed to make you feel otherly and at fault in some way. Next, please, the big woman said. Where have you come from today? Language, too, restricts the ways in which we think. In English, we say one way or return. We assume you have to go somewhere if you're going to return. The French specifically ask to go and return. In Spanish, they do the same, de ida y vuelta. In Bulgarian, you can have a ticket, ednoposochen, which is one destination, or dvuposochen, a two-destination ticket. Maybe that's more accurate. You can try to return, but it's never the same. Things change without you. Being away changes how you see. Where have you come from today? Sophia. And you're here to study? Yes, I said. Can I see your letter from the university and your bank account statement, please? I presented both. My letter from my college, which I treasured so much, and the bank account statement, which my dad had given me, and in it, around £9,000, collected from all sorts of places to make the number as big as possible. Where will you be staying? Halls of residence, ma'am, I replied. 
Thank you, and good luck with your studies. Borders are invisible until someone builds a boundary. A port to let people in, fortified to keep others out. They used to be everywhere, but not now, not between cities or counties, not between countries even, here in the United Kingdom, or once you're inside Europe. But between nations, when you have to present your credentials, when you can be sent back, they tape a line on the ground. Thank you, and good luck with your studies. I was joyous. I was just so, so very happy. The beginning of my dream, my unstoppable dream. Picking up my luggage and feeling the weight of my two bags, I found the trolley and I pushed it. My chest pushed forward and my head held high. I went through the arrivals lounge and I kept pushing. People with name signs waited. I kept pushing and when I passed them, I stopped. Inside the airport, you're funneled carefully by patterns in the carpet. Changes of floor type, bright lights ahead. Those yellow signs, simultaneously ugly and reassuring. Funneled through the apparatus of the airline, security, the shops and restaurants, to wait. Time in airports is unlike anywhere else. Even before you've crossed time zones and walked with hazy dislocation through curious sunshine, even before you get on the plane, time begins to weigh more heavily than anywhere. Time passing away outside the airport, while you, cocooned in the terminal, wait for the flicker of a screen that lets you proceed. I stopped. I was all alone, with no one waiting for me. Just me and my bags. My new home, an icon, the jumpers and knickers, the dictionaries and the framed family photo. This is how my journey began back in 1999. Hello there. After a while, you'd realise the sound had finished and you'd take off the headphones and perhaps if you were self-conscious, you'd let go of my hand and we'd talk about your journeys, your adventures in life. It would take a few minutes and then we'd find ourselves back where we started and while you wrote some of it down, I would wave you goodbye.